What's going on, everybody? This is Colin with... Hey, guys. It's Elliot. And today we have a special guest. We're going to have Scott Tyndall on with us here. Hey, Scott. How are we doing? G'day, guys. How's things? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Scott, if, or for those on YouTube here, can see his hat is with Fuel In, um, which is a very cool nutrition company. I'll let him certainly speak to that here. But, uh, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack with you, Scott, and um, I'm looking forward to diving into it here. But um, you want to give a little, uh, like, where you live, kind of where you're at, what's going on these days for you? Yeah, I, I'm based in Sydney, uh, in the northern beaches, in a place called Manly, which I never really think about it being funny, but everyone's like, you live on Manly Beach? And they're like, <laughs> that sounds so weird, and it's like so masculine. And it's right, so right, Australian. exactly. It's so, have a six pack it's at so least Australian. When around there, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that is I think uh, geographically, like it is like regarded as one of the healthiest suburbs in all of Sydney as well, the irony of it all. So, yeah, everyone <laughs> does walk around in their budgie smugglers and uh, yeah. sort of, you know, parades, uh, does the peacock down the beach. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's um, <clears throat> nice to be back in Sydney. I, I lived overseas for better part of uh, 18 years. Uh, lived in the UK, in Bermuda, America, and Canada, uh, and got back just just as uh, the pandemic sort of kicked off and we got locked down. So it was perfect timing. I'd had a so that a year was off. planned. It wasn't. It wasn't because of the pandemic. Uh, the the time that, off. you're coming back. That you're coming back, like and deciding to be come back home. Uh, well, interesting. So I had a year off in 2019 after I finished up with the Maple Leafs. So I took a year okay. off and traveled around the world, which was quite uh, fortuitous in terms of the timing. Uh, So I was really lucky and got a year of traveling in. And then I was in Turkey at the time, uh, about to go to Ethiopia and uh, do some hiking and stuff there. There's a really cool part, the Simeon Mountains. If if you've ever want to go somewhere that's truly unique, Ethiopia is that place. But um, I was talking to my dad and unfortunately his partner um, had an aneurysm and uh, she was in hospital and was... Unfortunately, going to die, and she did die, and uh, so I ended up coming back to Australia a little bit earlier than what was planned, uh, and then obviously the pandemic kicked off, and uh, my plans to go to uh, Central and South America got uh, scuttled, and then I didn't ever get back there. So yeah, that's sort yeah, of the story. So yeah, but uh, you married with kids? Uh, not married. Was married, okay. divorced, yeah. but okay. have, have, yeah. have a partner, and uh, her yeah. name is Mel, and I uh, have a little. A little, uh, a little boy called Jack, who uh, unfortunately uh, yesterday was just admitted into hospital uh, because he, he's struggling. The irony of it all is he struggles with eating. Uh, he, okay. um, he's had a real issue with weight gain and actually unfortunately over the last few weeks he's lost weight. So they admitted him yesterday and he's now currently in hospital with a nasal uh, gastric tube, ANG tube uh, in situ and he's getting fed formula through his nose so it's a uh, it's a bit stressful <laughs> but, wow. how uh, old is he he's the le- he turns uh 12 months in uh okay wow. just uh just under um um yeah in a few few days time in nine days time it's his one year birthday so it's um yeah interesting times tough uh i don't know everyone who's got parents probably uh, can understand the pain with it all Oh no doubt. Uh, he's no a, he's doubt. a he's a great little boy. He's just uh for whatever reason struggling with eating at the moment. Mm-hmm. You guys will figure it out. I yeah. Think I, I a so. good good dad for that, that's for sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> cool. 
So, and um, you went to university for uh, nutrition stuff and then nutrition's been your life, kind of your whole professional career? No, what's interesting is I started off, uh, I got into physiotherapy or I think physical therapy as you call it in the States. I I did that. I played a lot of rugby when I was uh, growing up and probably got a number of injuries. So I thought physios were pretty cool. Um, So I, I studied physiotherapy at University of Sydney. Uh, as my undergraduate, I then ended up, as I said, living in the UK and I did a master's in sports exercise medicine at the University of London. And then I went on and did, uh, because of that master's, I, I did a, a few modules in nutrition and thought it was very, very interesting. And then after that, I did postgraduate study in performance nutrition. Uh, and then that sort of really took my interest further into nutrition and uh, I guess when it all kicked off in terms of going full-time into nutrition was when I worked with the America's Cup and I was with Oracle Team USA. We were living and based in Bermuda for the 35th America's Cup and uh, I was the head physio and the team nutritionist there uh, for that organization and that was sort of the first time I'd worked uh, as a nutritionist with a professional sporting organization uh, which was great. And that took me into then Boston, uh, working in a, a gut health um, microbiome sort of startup. And then eventually that took me to the Maple Leafs working in the NHL as their uh, performance nutritionist. Yeah. And as we talked and, offline, you, you know, I was interested in that one, right? With my background. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Everyone's always interested in the hockey stuff. So, no doubt. <laughs> but uh, I mean, what's it, what's it like, you know, so like, Let's even go back to uh, when you're in Bermuda. Um, like, so are you like deciding what everybody's eating? Like, what's your what would you say your like your your role is when you're working with a team like that? Yeah, it was a pretty unique team. So, um, I mean, those boats. I don't know if if the listeners will know about those boats, but they're foiling um, catamarans. So. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of work. Like the guys on the boats. You know, you don't think about sailing don't mistake what you probably commonly think about sailing and old school sailing. So sitting on a deck and having a beer with what right. these guys are no, doing. No, 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 these I know enough, were, enough. Uh, not much yeah. about it, but enough to know that they're the real deal. And it's very, yeah, very they, were, they were beasts. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, they, we obviously, we had, I think 15 sailors, but we had a team of 120. Uh, so we had a lot of engineers, a lot of designers, shore crew and everything like that. So, there was the specificity for the sailors in terms of what they required from a nutritional perspective. But what I also had to take into account was the rest of the team. So we worked, I worked a lot with the the chef who was a Bermudian chef, a guy called Matt Pridham. He's a fantastic uh, chef, despite being very small and very skinny, which is always a, a, a warning sign I hear when you work with us. Yeah, right, right, be be yeah. careful of the skinny chef, but uh, <laughs> he's an incredible chef and a great guy, and he's actually a really good mate of mine, um, having worked with him for three years. But he was fantastic in the way that we approached the food. Um, you know, we gave guidelines around proteins and carbohydrates and fats and what was you know good sources of those to choose from to maximize health and obviously the energy of the shore crew and the designers and the sailors and then he would create a menu around that um and he he and his and his uh sous chef benji they they were amazing uh pumping out you know breakfast lunch snacks 
often dinners for the entire team, um, you know, two-man oh. organisation. So, you know, I, I I think they were a massive backbone to that team. And, you know, I, I give the advice, but they do all the hard work. So, you know, I'll give credit to those guys for doing what they did. But what what they did do was completely, by working with me, I felt like we completely transformed the way in which the individuals who work with the team eight. So the uh, the most frequent comments were, you know, from from the athletes and the the workers who had worked in the previous America's Cup was the quality of food was so much better, and they it, they noticeably, you know, felt better as a result of eating better quality food, even though we were severely limited by what could be produced on the island and. You know, to Matt and Benji's credit, what they did extremely well was uh, make the most of whatever we could actually get on it because Bermuda, as you know, is a very isolated yeah. island. Right. Yeah, very cool. And I guess, I guess that, like, you know, that sort of aspect of the nutrition was probably what I tried to take into the Leafs. Um, and it, it worked and it didn't work in some respects. Like, you know, I remember the day when I took away bacon uh, from the the morning breakfast and Jesus taking bacon away from Canadians is like a, you know you just don't do it apparently um, and it, it created a lot of uh, you know it created a lot of um, I won't say abuse but yeah I did get abused for taking it away yeah. by players and coaches <laughs> but what I had to explain was look I'm not taking it away permanently I'm just saying you don't need bacon every day. Yeah. Like you are professional athletes, you are professional coaches. Like let's look at what you're doing and be specific with that and utilize, you know, better quality proteins. You know, for instance, like we introduced things like small fish in the mornings, which obviously wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but started to bring in things like pickled herring, smoked salmon, uh, mackerel, stuff like that into the mornings, but other sources of protein as well. So chicken breast, potentially even steak in the morning, uh, turkey, other sources of protein that are probably a better quality proteins, but also potentially better for you in terms of, you know, all the other saturated fats and whatnot. So it was, it was a introduction. Um, you know, the, the baptism of fire, um, certainly it, it is tough changing, um, What's the, what's the way changing uh, habits, I guess, yeah. of of right. of teams and perceptions and cultural uh, differences as well. I, I you know bacon and maple syrup is synonymous with Canadians and changing that, uh, especially for hockey guys. I think where they they don't the professionalism when it came to nutrition, I think, was lacking in that respect and it took time you know introducing salads and understanding how why you're eating salad and vegetables it, it was a learning process and yeah some athletes got it and some didn't yeah. I think the better ones you know you had guys like John Tavares John like ultimate professional you know I believe it. I had, believe he, it. had his had his nutrition dialed in you know didn't really have to talk too much to him to be honest about it but his influence over the other guys is where as a leader, right? Sort of, here. Yeah, yeah, as the leader. But, you know, some of them just don't want to eat like that. And I guess that yeah. then also relates to, like, you know, triathlon and the discussion we had. There's professional triathletes, but there's not always um, 
professional attitudes in the way they approach it, which you know, I'm sure we can get into. Yeah. So like with a team and those guys, would you like, would, you know, I'm assuming most of the meals were like kind of buffet style, right? So like, would you, would you limit like how much, you know, quantities and stuff like that? Or is every man kind of good, you know, cause I think for me, even, you know, anytime, even when I travel for work and it's like free food, you know, it's like, oh, you mow down, you know, you take an X, you know, you really take advantage of that. Right. You know, so like, I know, you know, it's different when you're seeing it every day, but uh, I'm just curious if like, you know, you're like, well, Hey, easy there, Austin, you know, take it easy, Matthews, on that, uh, you know, on uh, the different things. I don't know. Just curious. Yeah. I think, I mean, with each athlete, you sat down with them and you talk through their goals and you, you work out their program, you give them guidelines. I think there's a big distinction between team athletes uh, or athletes in a, a team-based sport versus like an individual sport like yeah. Ironman. Um I think with triathletes in particular, they're very data focused and metric focused and pretty A type and I would say pretty anal about a lot of things. Whereas the you're not average, saying anything, none of anybody owes this haven't haven't heard already many times. Absolutely. Which which is probably why I love the switch. You know, <laughs> the switch in you know, right. I, I started obviously working in Triathlon Ironman in 2017 and gradually built out this business, but you know, the, the switch into full-time working with Ironman and, and triathletes is, is probably one I find very rewarding because they actually really listen to everything you uh, tell them and do it to a T. Um, so I think with the, the team-based athletes, you give them guidelines. You know, you talk a lot about visual representations of food. They're not going to weigh food. They're not going to track food hard. Um, like with things like my fitness power or lose it right. and those food tracking services. So you're trying to give them plate recommendations, uh, you know, how much protein to have on your plate, how many vegetables, how many sort of uh, carbs, if we're talking rice or pasta or bread and manage that appropriately. Some athletes needed a lot of handholding. Um, some didn't, you know, Freddie, Freddie Anderson is a great guy. Yeah. Like really great guy was really interested in improving. Uh, I know he's a goalie. He's got to be crazy. Yeah, they they are crazy. I, I was a goalie, so that's why. I oh, really? I, yeah. Um, I, I loved working with Freddie. I thought he was he was yeah. a great guy, and he he wanted to dial it in. And you know, he, he sent some messages recently to a um to the performance director Jeremy Battle, just saying you know he he thought what we had at the Leafs with the uh, nutrition element was you know, really, really special, uh, which was really nice to hear him say something like that because I, I did work. He was one of the guys I really tried to help as much as possible. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So, obviously, triathlon podcast there, so we won't spend too much time on that <laughs> stuff there. But so Everyone's how did, already how did, turned off. <laughs> <laughs> how did you uh, get involved with triathlon? Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, sorry, I guess you said... I, I know what you're going to say here now, but go ahead. Okay. No, no, 2017, um, I was working for a gut microbiome startup in uh, Boston, and uh, I was put in touch with Sarah Piampiano, who's right. pro-female, and uh, she used to work with my old performance director, a guy called Craig McFarlane, who is a, a PT. When I say PT, well, I should say an S&C coach strength and conditioning coach who I still work with. Um, he's one of my great mates. We lived in Boston together and uh, he's a Kiwi. He, he still trains a lot of athletes that I work with. Um, but he used to train Sarah in San Francisco. 
So he said, look, Sarah's got a lot of gut issues and, uh, and you know, could probably do with your help. So we started testing her with the metabolomics and whatnot. <clears throat> but what became very clear to me, it went way beyond that. And so we really started to look at her nutrition uh, from what she was eating on a daily basis. It became very clear she suffered from um, a lot of FODMAP sensitivities so these are the fermentable type of carbohydrates that can cause, you know, they confer a lot of health benefits, but also can cause things like bloating and gas and uh, and cramping and pain. So we went about changing her nutrition from a daily habitual standpoint, removing those FODMAPs, gradually reintroducing them and that, but then also focusing on her race fueling, which was very apparent that was not very good either. And so we went about drastically um, increasing her carbohydrate intake in training, uh, in and around specific sessions, race pace or above, and working on training her gut effectively um, to cope with high amounts of carbs. And, you know, Sarah was only, what, at race weight, probably 117 pounds, uh, which is what one is 55 kilos. You can stick the pounds on this one. That's cool. We don't understand kilos. One day America will (laughs) join the rest of the world. um, So she's 118 pounds. She was consuming. Like I remember when, so 2017 we started working. 2019 was sort of her stellar year. Uh, She podiumed every race that year and she smashed Ironman Brazil. I think in that race she, on the bike, I think she was consuming about 115 grams of carbs an hour. And on the run, she ran a 2.53 marathon that day. Uh, and I think she was consuming just over 100 grams of carbs on the run as well. And yeah. so, and but she's a tiny, you know, individual. Right. So right. what That's was super cool was it showed powder. that, right. it showed that let's forget grams per kilo when it comes to maximal performance and just let's fuel you with as much you know, fuel as possible to maximize the ability to produce energy and ultimately go fast. And so Sarah was really the one I attribute to, um, you know, building out the fuel in program. Uh, yeah. It all started on Google Sheets and, you know, it was it was Google Sheets. I was replicating what her training plan was, which was on training peaks initially and then uh, switched to today's plan. And so I would sit there and, you know, look at each day and then I'd map out the snack before what she'd have in session and then post session and gradually built all that out. And it would take me, you know, I'd do oh, it every geez. weekend because yeah. coaches would only ever upload the program. Matty Dixon would, was her yeah. coach at the time. Yeah. He'd upload a program on Saturday. So I'd spend all Saturday and Sundays mapping out these plans and, you know, they're better part of, you know, they'd take me probably three yeah. or four hours to do and, it was all well and good. I started to get more clients and, you know, I thought this was great. They're paying me like, you know, a few hundred dollars a month to like do all this, but I literally didn't have a weekend. And even when I was traveling in that year of 2019, I was still like, I'd be in the middle of Africa or something trying to do these Google shit. get an was, internet connection and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was killer. So yeah. I, I then met um, a guy called Jonathan Lee, who's uh, based in San Fran, the Purple Patch triathlete. And uh, we connected and he, uh, we turned it into a web-based app. And then uh, iOS app launched uh, just over a year ago um, on the App Store. And 
you know, the rest is history, I guess. We're sort of, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, I guess we're making history because, you know, the way I see it is that we're, we're really the only, we are the world's only sort of training-based nutrition app that, you know, mm -hmm. fully gives uh, personalised guidance on nutrition and, and fueling um, to individuals who have a training program. And, you know, it does sync. It syncs with training peaks. It syncs with today's plan. It syncs with final surge, which no one's doing and yeah. yeah it's taken a lot of work to pull all that uh you know effectively what he made me do is write down all my decision making on paper which was a really interesting experience but you know every decision has either a yes or no effect really and that's how you can break it down everything is pretty binary so you can start to map out you know based on this session what type of session what type of intensity what type of duration what the goal of the individual athlete is, so on and so on, you can start to make out, you know, a decision tree, which ultimately allowed us to create the app and provide very, very detailed, customized, personalized nutrition in a, you know, a fairly automated manner, which right. I think right. is super exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I remember when I first heard about you guys, and I think I jumped on one of your webinars or something, you know, and this um, only a couple of people on it, you know, whatever. And I remember you, I actually, sorry. So you and I are, are part of that Ironman consulting group. So I had seen your name before and I was like, you know, who the heck's this guy? I don't know this guy. He's <laughs> got a weird at, accent. <laughs> at that point, you know, um, but, uh, but I got that and you kind of asked me about what my nutrition, you know, philosophies are or whatnot and what I'm doing for fueling and stuff. And I was kind of like, yeah, I, I gave you an honest, honest answer, but when I started to answer, I was like, oh, this guy's going to give me shit, like saying that I, I take in too much. And, you know, I you know, told you I, you know, big take in a lot and, and things like that. And you were like, oh, you know, that's that's good. We're, we're aligned because, like, I feel like most programs and these things they're looking to do, you know, everything, a lot of places are about less and, you know, and trying to maximize, you know, minimal amounts and things like that. Um, so, you caught my interest right away and I was like, all right, cool. I think this guy actually might get, you know, and I think everybody's different. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's no right answer for everybody, but uh, that really drew me into like really being intrigued by you guys here. And, um, you know, I guess on, on that front, you know, so I've been working um, with Fuelin and the team here for what that's really only been three, four months now, I guess at this point here, but um, you know, like Scott mentioned there, the, the app is really intuitive, you know, like basically all you have to do is have you or your coach put in the intensities of your different workouts. And then you do ideally put in the times of different workouts and it's going to produce, um, you have to like kind of update it after you've done that, but it's very easy to do that. And then boom, all of a sudden you've got a fully customized meal plan for you. And, um, for me, like, uh, I, I actually <laughs> didn't want to go too into much detail on me here, I guess, but like, I actually was almost like convinced that I like could not really anymore get that under like 190 pounds. Not that it's all about getting lean, you know, but Hawaii, I wanted to be lean and, you know, not have a uh, minimize excess on me um, for sure. And within a month of working with you, I think I dropped like seven or eight pounds. Um, and like, you know, I think it was the good kind of, of losses. And yeah, I, I, I even tell clients, you know, I like I, I think I have a decent understanding of nutrition stuff. I certainly never, you know, say I'm a, you know, have a am a dietitian or nutritionist or anything like that. And you know, certain people we need to work with with uh, experts, you know, for sure. But um, it really was an eye opener to me of you know how you know certainly always think that nutrition is critical. But uh, um, you know, I could 
could reduce that and what you're eating in those windows, you know, is just so critical. Um, and so that was very cool and, uh, definitely a great start with me here. So, so what um, changed, what changed for you other than, I mean, from your normal eating patterns, I mean, what, what was different? So, um, biggest thing for me, like, uh, geez, like the, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is a staple in my, uh, in my, uh, that's usually actually what I have for breakfast now. I usually been having primarily that and a hard boiled egg as my, my breakfast. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, was eating, um, different things. I mean, one thing I knew you removed I it, you removed it. Or no, no, sorry, I, I, that's what I, that's what I started using. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't doing. I mean, I think one thing I knew I was doing wrong, but it took the direction to mainly put it in place is like, I eat pretty much all organic, but I was eating way too many bars. Like I would legitimately eat two to three bars. I would say on average a day, you know, whatever, and just not getting enough real food, you know, just super busy. Like it's certainly the easy button, right. You know, and it's just the, the thing that you can just stock up on and, um, you know, you can grab them. Uh, so they, they, their convenience factor is great, but, um, you know, I think just pulling that stuff out and, you know, all the crap that even though they are organic, you know, just having that in my system all the time, I think was probably a big, big reason for it is, is my kind of uh, semi-educated guess. But hey, it's got. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's I don't know if it's an American thing or not. I'm still trying to work it out. But I mean, majority of our clients are based in America. So it is very interesting. Yeah. But that reliance on snack food and organic food, it's utter yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. it is like. And and the big thing we push, and I hope you are doing this, is like that six fists of veggies. It's like you see on the program every day, consume two serves or two fists of vegetables. And that includes breakfast. Like, yep. And, okay, as you approach a race or a really important session, okay, we are going to reduce fiber and we will recommend minimize fiber in this meal. But, again, look, I just saw a stat the other day. It was like CDC is predicting – the USA will have 55% of the US population with a BMI of greater than 30. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's not higher. Yeah. God, it can't get higher than that. I mean, I mean, it is, I can't even get my head around that. Now, I'm not saying Australia is any better. Australia is, they've got a serious obesity problem, but like, it's like food is, just so important to what we're doing as human beings and yet the overarching and like we can be super tricky with like macronutrients and all this but like come to the crux of it the most uh repeated statement i get from athletes is i have never eaten so many vegetables in my life because of your program and that is like massive for me if if there's one change i can make to an individual's life to an athlete's life that I know is going to have a positive effect on their outcome. It is increasing your vegetable intake. Forget all the processed organic stuff that most of those bars will have palm oil or or vegetable oils in them or God knows what else, stabilizer and whatnot. Like they're not organic food. Like, okay, you can use bar. I'm not saying you can't use bars. Use bars when you need to. When you need to increase your caloric intake on the bike because you've been out there for three or four hours, fine. It's convenient. But do not rely on bars, as you found out, Colin, yeah. to, to supplement or complement your diet. Like, eat tons of veggies. Like, yeah. snack on a rotisserie chicken, for God's sake. 
Like yeah. I, I would say that. Like go to go to Whole Foods and buy an organic rotisserie chicken and eat half of it. Like that's going to fill you up. It's going to give you a heap of protein, minimal amounts of you know saturated fats. As long as you peel the skin off, you're good to go. Get a yeah. can of uh, smoked oysters or a can of mackerel or salmon or something like that and eat that instead. Like that's real food. Okay, it's right. in a can. It's not ideal, but. Like it's better than better, way better than the bars, right? better than yeah. a bar. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's great to hear that. Yeah, you, know, you as someone I respect as a coach and an athlete recognized. Okay, my diet actually, as good as I think it is, can actually be a lot better. Um, For sure. And, and For sure. sometimes those simple recommendations, like it, it's really interesting because I see it in the app all the time. Every meal, it's pretty much like remember to eat your vegetables, and I'm like. Maybe we should change that message. And but then because it's repeated all the time, people see it and they're like, you know what? Every time I see it, I'm like, God, I gotta eat some more veggies. So it's well, yeah. I mean, the other thing I think you bring to the table that's like, you know, even in coaching consultations, a lot of times the people I say, Hey man, some, sometimes I'm just a glorified babysitter, right? Like it's you know, you're just keeping people accountable, right? That's what and it is, so, isn't like, it? It's accountability. You know, I, I totally agree with, with triathletes. Like, we, we are totally open. We want to be kind of told what to do, right? We like, you know, having a plan and understanding that. And when you can just lay it out for somebody, it just makes it so much easier. And I think it's maybe it's just the confidence even that, all right, this is what I should be doing. And boom, you know, we're able to execute on, I think, very well. So I can see how, you know, I have no doubt uh, you guys are already seeing success here, but you guys are going to be very successful because of that. And I think you've got the right market for people that are ready to learn. And, you know, it all comes down to regardless of what you're focused on, you know, you, you have to be coachable, right? You have to be willing to change and, and be able to uh, apply what is being brought to you. And, you know, if you're not going to do that, it's, it's not going to be very effective, right? And, and, yeah, I mean, you bang on with the babysitter comment, like, I mean, ultimately, look, you can lead a, lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. And right, right. We see this. Like, we get people coming to the program and they're like, oh, so I've got to, I've got to connect my, uh, you know, training peaks with um, Apple Health and I've got to connect fuel in with Apple Health and maybe you connect, maybe you're using something like Lose It or MyFitnessPal. Oh, I've got to connect that. And they're like, oh, that's a lot of hard work. I'm like, dude, that's not hard work. You're just connecting like an app. Come on, like if you want this like level of sophistication, you got to do a little bit of work. So instantly I'm like, Oh, how are these people going to go? And then there's yeah. information to read. Like you've got to read the information. You've got to dive in, like watch the videos, join the Q and a sessions that we do, like immerse yourself in this to learn because I will say it over and over again. If nutrition was easy, everyone would be doing it well. And that's that I gave 55% are going to be over a BMI of 30. Like no one's doing it well. And yet in the end, a lot of it is simple. It's simple habit changes that can make huge, huge differences to an individual's life. And I'm not even talking performance for a no, right. bloody race. Yeah. I'm talking about health. And exactly. I think that's the other really cool thing we're seeing is that, you know, obviously we use – you know, we encourage athletes to get a DEXA scan. A DEXA scan is like a full body X-ray. It gives you a measure of subcutaneous and visceral fat, bone mineral density. And that. So we get athletes to do those. We also encourage them to get bloods done. You know, whether or not you want to use Inside Tracker or not to like visually represent to see the representation, very very useful. But what we're seeing now is 
as athletes improve their you know, nutrition, we're seeing significant changes in things like lipid profiles, in their blood sugars, HbA1c. Um, you know, we're seeing improvements. I think I did a post about this the other day. Like someone, like uh, has been recording that they've eaten vegetables. You know, high intake of vegetables for fifty days, and their even their whoop band was like, "Shit, your sleep's better." Like, and you know, there is really cool data to show that increasing fruit and vegetable intake can positively impact things like REM and deep sleep. But people don't associate those things together. They're just tracking everything. And they're like, oh, I wear an aura ring, you know, I wear a whoop band, but I don't know what it does and I don't know how to change it. And it's like, dude, it's pretty simple. Increase your protein intake. Increase your fruit and vegetable intake. Reduce refined carbohydrates in your daily habitual sort of habit uh, in nutrition moderate your fat intake and you're probably going to be pretty good now we can dial it in further and and really help you with you know we use a traffic light system to denote the amount of carbs and the types of carbs that you should be eating you know red is lower amount so you see red you go okay i'm eating salads you see yellow and you're like okay it's salad but i'm going to probably add a couple of bits of bread in or i'm going to add some rice or some grains oh it's green beauty i'm on I can eat rice, I can eat pasta, I can eat bread, I can smash at home. Include your vegetables as well. Like, it's that simple. You start to see those colours, hopefully. And, you know, I think once the athlete gets that, then they're like, aha, okay, I get it. So you're telling me I need to eat a salad for breakfast with some good quality proteins and some fats. Okay, cool. I'm going to have some eggs. I'm going to maybe have some sardines on toast. I'm going to have a couple of big fistfuls of arugula. Perfect breakfast. I eat it pretty much most days of the week. So that's my breakfast. But, yeah, like it, it's not hard. Pick your meals that you like. Identify what colour that associates with and then you're good to go. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe, I, maybe I make it too simple. But, you know, I think if you can take, a, what do they say, if you can take a complicated subject and make it simple, then you're doing something right. Totally. I mean, and, and I mean, especially if we're going to talk outside of triathlon, just the community in general, I mean, most people have no idea on this stuff, right? You know, they don't have the slightest clue. So we need to simplify it to, you know, hopefully have a chance here. But, you know, to that point, I mean, what's, what Scott's sharing here, and one thing I've also noticed in the few months we've been working together is just the amount of transparency. And so, like, you know, uh, I certainly recommend signing up with them, but, uh, you know, just signing up to get their newsletter and like they have so much stuff content on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, so if you're looking for just some general guidance, stuff like that, they're super transparent, which I really love and, and think that's the way to, to really, you know, share people and get people interested in your, in you. So, um, you know, keep up the good work with that stuff here. So that's, uh, that's really cool. I appreciate that, Colin. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, I think we're, we're trying to, yeah, as you say, trying to open up something that is complicated, but be very transparent about it and talk honestly about it. Like, yeah. you know, all, all the the crap that you see on, you know, social media about this diet and that diet, it's like, oh, right. guys, like you don't have to do that. And, you know, fasting obviously comes up a lot and, like, when to use fasting. Fasting is okay to use, but I certainly wouldn't be recommending you doing a lot of fasting in season. Like use it yeah. post-season when you're going, okay, I'm going to focus on body composition here. And let's be honest, like fasting, if you look through a lot of the research as well, 
most of it is just about it reduces caloric intake at libidum. Like that's the magic. It's like, okay, you can delve into all the the physiological aspects of it may have an impact on, but ultimately when you compare it like to daily caloric restriction, it works about the same, but it's just easier for some people to follow because they just don't have the window of opportunity to overeat. So they just reduce calories as a result. So all these people who think fasting is like the magic bullet. No, I'm sorry, it's not. And if you're training really hard in the morning and you consider fasting, you're a sucker. Yeah. Like you are going to suck at your sessions. Like, and you're n- certainly not going to recover well. Um, So if you are going to consider fasting, do most of your training in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, But a lot of people don't. To that point, too. Uh, Sorry, Scott. Um, And Elliot, I'll let you ask a question here in a minute. I could go on forever here. But, uh, um, you know, to that point, I think uh, how many people are like, do you see, I think, you know, like I even said, like, I want to be leaner for for Hawaii. um, And I do Mm -hmm. think that, you know, being lean but strong is is you know minimizing the surface area especially in heat and stuff like that is important but um do you find a lot of athletes that you end up actually having them eat more and then they actually lose weight um you know and things like that i think you know we're so kind of weight conscious um you know and i don't want to say anorexic for people but you know like it's 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 i mean to that point i think for some people maybe not admit it um, but, uh, with, with us being so conscious about our weight, do you have any challenges? And like, it, once you get people over the hurdle, like, do you see a lot of, uh, huge benefits when people get over that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. You say that, Hey, like I was actually talking about this this morning with one of our coaches, Elizabeth and yeah, yeah you've got, you've got the 55% over 30 BMI and then you've got Ironman where, you potentially have a lot of LEA, low energy availability and red S, uh, relative energy deficiency in sport. And it's like these polar opposite groups. And, you know, we were in Kona, weren't we? And I can tell you now that was, I was pretty freaked out at seeing some of the body types there. Like, you know, there were some severely undernourished individuals out there um, where this focus and this obsession with being super lean has predominated the sport. And I think what's really lovely is seeing someone like Kristen Blumenfeld, who right. he is certainly still lean, but he's not. I, yes. Like, yeah, he's he's, leaner, not like he's the leaner classic. than most people think he is. I think he's deceiving. He is leaner than, than most you know, people. But, but, but agree, but he, you know. But he's yeah. not stick thin. And you listen to them talk about nutrition, and it's like you eat. You eat, and their whole training philosophy is based around energy intake and yeah. what the calories are can, that can support their training. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, I love hearing that, that it's like you got to eat to perform. Yeah. And so, you know, the, we do get, I would say, probably 90% of individuals who come on our program, you, you obviously put in like, what is your current weight? And then you get to enter what is your goal weight? I mean, 95% of individuals will have the weight. Their goal weight will be lower (laughs) than their their current weight. So there's already that. Um, I think once you get a DEXA scan done, then you can start to quantify and be objective in, do you need to lose weight? You know, we've just done this sort of campaign with Feisty Media, talking about LEA and, and Red S and... 
there are individuals out there who might be 110 pounds and still think they need to lose weight. Sure. Right. But there's also that distinction is like not every triathlete is at risk of LEA or red S either. There's still a lot of triathletes out there who are overweight. Oh, definitely. And so how do you have that conversation about you don't need to eat that much after every session or you don't need to eat that much before every session and you don't need to eat that much during every session. So it's like context specific. I don't think we have this pandemic of like every triathlete has red S or LEA, but I also think we also don't have every athlete, you know, suffering from obesity or being overweight. So there is this middle ground of, you know, you've got to be able to tell an athlete in order, I mean, look, in order to get a weight drop or a body fat percentage drop, you have to be in a caloric deficit, like period. That is physics. <clears throat> so if you want to lose body fat, at some point you have to go into a caloric deficit. The difference being with something like low energy availability, we're talking 30 calories or less per kilogram of fat-free mass. So you can go pretty low in terms of calories and still not be at risk of LEA. But it is dependent on the training volume and the training intensity that you're doing as well. So that needs to be accounted for. But, you know, if you want to drop weight in the off-season, which is a good time to probably focus on body composition, training volume is going to drop. You're not going to be out there doing, you know, three-hour runs all the time and stuff. You can probably get in the gym a little bit more, 45 minutes, 60 minutes in the gym, smash it out, interval weight training, high-intensity interval training, whatnot. Have a lower caloric intake, improve your body composition over, you know, eight to 12 weeks, and then start to blend in more training. It's one way of looking at it, but you will certainly have to be in a caloric deficit in order to do that. Like, let's not kid ourselves and think right. you can eat all as much as you want. And yeah, still hopefully not. I didn't see people there, right? But yeah, yeah. but some people, right? Yeah, they're not eating the right things. But uh, do you think majority? Of, do you think majority of people overeat in general? Oh well, I mean, based on the in statistics, general, yeah. I, I mean, I guess general. not in general. In in tri- do you mean, do you mean triathlon? Yes. I, I think there's the, this, this, these two groups. That's how I see it. I think you've got this group who are stick thin, low muscle mass, low body fat, obsessed with being really lean, and they're at risk of low energy availability, red S. Females, more so than males, but it does exist in males. Then you've got the ones, the other side where you know, they're in like spandex and whatnot. And you're like, really? Like, you know, <laughs> you, you probably don't need those three flat whites and the two croissants at the end of your, you know, 90 minute, 30 bike minute ride. recovery ride. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> like it's got to be context specific. And so I think where a lot of athletes get it wrong is, and there's nothing wrong with this. If you accept the consequences, like if you're going to be part of a group ride, on a Saturday and you go and do two hours and it's Z2 and it's all very nice. And then you sit down at the end of the ride with the group and you have, you know, as I said, two or three large flat whites or lattes, or maybe you go in iced coffee, you know, in America, they're about four liters and uh, <laughs> it's got cream in there and you have two almond croissants and a, 
a bagel, you know, bacon egg bagel. You might as well have not done the ride. I say, but God, I just did a ride. Come on, man. But I just did the ride. Now, from a mental health aspect, the ride is awesome. Community aspect, I get it. But if your purpose is to improve body composition, then you've got to focus on what you're eating after that session. As I'm not saying you starve yourself. I'm just saying, like, 30 to 40 grams of protein in the form of, like, you know, some chicken, some eggs, um, small oily fish, things like that, lots of vegetables, like support your training with the appropriate nutrition, then you're going to start to see stuff. But it's not as much fun, is it? Like having an almond croissant, like that's my Sunday thing. You know, I, I go and have a flat white and an almond croissant with Mel and Jack and it's good. Jack obviously doesn't eat any of it. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, like, right. I mean. You got, you uh... got to think about this and it's like, you know, why are you doing the sport? I guess this is the question. Did you get in the sport to improve health? Great. Are you doing triathlon to improve body composition? Okay, maybe you are. Is it the best sport to improve body composition? I don't know. I'd probably say you could do it more efficiently just being in the gym. Um, but if you want to do triathlon, then you need to manage your intake of nutrition appropriately to the training and the intensity you're doing. Yeah. And until people get that in their minds, they're not going to see the results that they expect. And then yeah. they start blame they blame the coach. They're like, "Ah, oh, I'm not seeing the results." And you know, I'm sure you get it. And then they they then do the nutrition, and they're like, "I don't understand why I'm not losing weight." And then you look through their food diary, and you're like, oh, "Is this accurate?" It's a mystery, and like, yeah. "And is this accurate?" And they sort of pause, and you're like, "Hmm." Well, the fact that you pause means it's not accurate. And then you're probably not recording what you actually ate. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I did go out for dinner the other night and I didn't record that and I did this. Yeah. And I got Uber Eats five times last week. And Well, you know, in, in our uh, initial uh, console kind of questionnaires that we have, I ask kind of it's a pretty, I don't know, broad question or whatever, but it's kind of what do you, what's the food look like in a typical day, right? And what that says that people eat versus two months down the road when you actually talk to them about their eating, you know, is usually just night and day different. You know, it's hysterical, you know, sometimes of what, well, you know, that stuff. Yeah. So I don't have to tell you about that. But, but it's um, also, it's the honesty as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, right. The, the yeah. thing that I, you know, you read the research on, um, you know, food recording or, um, you know, um, delayed feedback on like um, what individuals ate in a day. And mm -hmm. it's hilarious. Like even gender differences in the ability to record accurately is being demonstrated. And, oh, and then, okay. So just your honesty of what you're actually putting in there. Yeah. So okay. like there's, gotcha. there's usually an under-reporting of food eaten. More often, gotcha. a lot of the time, women will under-report yeah. Uh, what is being consumed? Men will over-report exercise. <laughs> so <laughs> what I did, yeah, yeah I, I smashed out ninety minutes of Z three. Yeah. Really, they did forty-five or something. Like yeah. that. You know, so there's all those sort of conflicting things. But the only person you're cheating is yourself. It's like yeah. going into the gym. Like if I go in and I'm I'm in there to do like a you know a heavy leg day, but I I don't do five of the exercises. And then I'm like, yeah, I did leg day. It's like, well, no, you didn't. Like, you're not right. going to get stronger legs because you didn't do the work. So in the same way with nutrition, like, 
if you're not eating all the vegetables every day, if you're not hitting your protein intake, if you're drinking a heap of alcohol, if you're eating Uber Eats and takeaway every night, you're cheating yourself. You're not going to get right. the results. Like you have to cook. And this, this is an amazing thing. I, I think this is the crazy thing. I think they should bring back like home economics into schools and teach kids how to cook. Like, you they know, should. Yeah. It is, it is appalling. Yeah. Like when you ask someone, can you cook some scrambled eggs? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. And you're like, what do you mean you don't know how to scramble eggs? And they're like, I don't know how to do that. And it's like, number one thing, if you can't cook, go and do a basic cooking course. Like learn how, learn how to hold a knife. I love Tim Ferriss, like when I really enjoy his stuff because he's a thinker and he's, you know, he, he just explores things and experiments. But like, you know, his four-hour chef book, it's like, you know, knife skills. Knife skills are just so important. Get a good set of knives. Get one 20-centimeter cook's knife. Like get a, a um, what do I use, Worcester, 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 no, what is it? Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it German is. German brand, yeah. Worcester, yeah. Yeah, get or global. Get a really good twenty centimeter cook's knife and have it sharp as as anything, and it will transform the way that you enjoy cooking in the kitchen. <clears throat> get some good, you know, cooking pans, and then learn how to cook things. Like learn how to roast. I mean, roasting is the easiest method of cooking, and everyone's like, "Oh, I don't know how to do that." It's like, dude, get a chicken, rub some olive oil on it. Put some salt and pepper on it. You can even drop it like that, like the pros. Cut a lemon in half, stick it up its ass, put it in the oven for literally 90 minutes at 180 and you'll have a roast chicken. Like it's, and the, the kicker, get one of those thermometers that goes in it and it will even tell you when it's ready. Right. Like it's, it's not hard. But like yeah. people are just so scared, I think, of like food now because we've removed it from society like all these delivery apps and stuff right. like that like you do not even if it's let's go back to what you were saying colin is like oh, i was eating organic it's like okay so all these food deliveries now they're organic this organic yeah. that they taste great because they pile it full of sugar and fat and even if that fat is coconut oil or if it's mct oil or if it's avocado oil or olive oil it's still calories. And so you don't know what is going into that meal. So instead of ordering it, make a salad, cook some chicken on the grill and enjoy it. Eat some fish. Like it's not that hard really when you, when you really dial it all back, it's just effort. And yeah. unfortunately today we live in a society where people don't want to put in the effort. So Oh, that's um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But then, okay, I know I'm talking a lot. Sorry, but um, that's what you're on here to I, do. So that's good. <laughs> I look at triathletes and I'm like, so you you bike 10 hours a week, you swim this many hours a week, you run five hours a week, but you can't be bothered thinking about what goes into your body and you'll spend $10,000 on a bike. But to lose, like, and let's get some cool carbon wheels and let's get a bottle holder that's carbon as well just to reduce, you know, 30 grams here and 100 grams there. And it's like, dude, you could lose 9 kilos, 20 pounds of body fat, and it won't cost you a tenth of what you just spent on your bike. And I can guarantee you that will have a much bigger impact on your performance. 
and your life. Like you want to grow old and lift up your grandkids, sort out your health. Like well said. Well said. But it's yeah. like, the thing is though, it's not instant. It's not like there's nothing better than having a new shiny bike, is there, that you can put on your rack. You know, that's cool. You spent 10 grand, you got the bike straight away. You know, bike porn is real, man. I wish I could. What's that? Bike I porn. Said bike porn is real, yeah. I mean, I wish, I wish that we could do nutrition to make instant, you know, changes to body composition and that and blood markers and that, but it just it doesn't happen. And I, again, I was talking to Elizabeth today and I was like, you know, you didn't get fat overnight. So don't expect to get like really trim and athletic the next day either. So, and that's a harsh way of looking at it, but like, but it's the reality. I think, I think at some point we have to be a bit blunt. And, you know, being Australian, I am very blunt and it does rub up some people the wrong way. I, I take that, like, you know, that's that's how it is, but I'll call a spade a spade. And it's like, just face up to what you're actually doing in reality. Don't think too much about the future. Be present in what you've done and accept the past. Um, and then yeah. maybe maybe you can move forward and, and actually make changes. But it, well, it's I think, hard. I think nutrition is a lot like training. I mean... People have these high lofty goals for triathlon. I mean, they want to go to Hawaii. I mean, it's not an overnight thing. I mean, it's the same way as nutrition. It's all about consistency and sticking to the plan. And that's not overnight either. I mean, I don't, it's, mm -hmm. it's just really hard to convince people of that sometimes. Yeah. And, and yeah, you bang on Elliot. It's like, yeah, so what what ultimately do we want to do and what have we tried to create and what have we created we fuel in? It's like you do the training and all you need to do is open the app and go red snack before training, before bike. Right, I don't even need to think about that. My red snack, as you said, Colin, is toast with some almond butter and you right. call it jelly, yeah. I call it jam. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's my go-to snack as well. I then look, you look afterwards and you go, oh, green breakfast, sweet. I'm having oatmeal with maple syrup and banana and all that to get my 100 grams of carbs. Like remove the decision paralysis. Just look at it and go, okay, red, green, green, yellow, red. I know exactly what I'm eating all day. I don't even have to think about it. The most I need to think about potentially is like, oh, which grain am I going to have or which salads am I going to have with that? And you can plan that in advance if you want, or you can just look at it on the day. You can even go in if you are going to buy food from a cafe. The cool thing in America now is I think every menu has all the calories and macros on it. You could literally look at the app and go, oh, I've got a yellow, I've got a yellow um, lunch. Which meals here have 50 grams of carbs in them? And which ones have 30 grams of protein? Oh, I need to add some extra protein to get it up to 40 grams. Cool. Done. Job done. Like, you don't have to think about how do I support my training? It's just done for you. And I think, again, it's like, I think when athletes get that and they're like, oh, okay, I can just look at it and understand, then then it's good to go. So, right. it. it you know, it's not it's not for everyone. I, I get that, but I sure. want to make it for everyone. I want everyone Absolutely. to benefit from it and to 
you know, eventually we'll, we'll get to the point where it's not just, um, you know, triathletes. We're, we're now helping marathon runners. We're working with gravel bike and mountain bikers. Um, cyclists is obviously just an easy transition from triathlon. Right. They, they're coming on board. But I'd love it to work with, you know, team sports as well where they can just, you know, these athletes understand what to eat and when to eat. Because nutrition timing, you know, if you break down the hierarchy of it all, where does nutrition timing come in? It's probably closer to the top. I think too many Absolutely. people get carried away with like, you know, oh, I need to eat at this particular moment. Like dial in your basics first. Are you getting enough carbs? Are you getting enough fat? Are you getting enough protein? What does the quality of those foods look like? What do the quantities look like? Then start to overlap the timing of that in. And I think if we can make that easier for individuals to understand, then then we're doing you know, a, a good job of it. Right. Well, I mean, and you talk about, you know, looking at what you're doing, I, you know, you're talking about my fitness pal and I, I guess I feel to be honest, a little bit hypocritical saying this, but like, you know, if you want to be honest and know what you're actually doing, you need to log it, right? Like you need to actually at least look at it at some point. And even, you know, just knowing that you have to log it, maybe that's going to hold you off from eating that cookie or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it really does help with the accountability piece and, you know, and, it can be just damn enlightening about, holy crap, you know, that is really that much, you know, and, and what are different quantities and things like that. So, uh, but the one thing I'll say, like, I, I, I think I've tried with my fitness pal to like really live by it for like, you know, probably 10, 12 times. And like, I'll do it for like a week or two. And then I just like fall off. It's just like, um, I don't know, struggle, struggle a bit to consistently kind of hold on to that. But I, I, I do think it's, it's extremely valuable to people just to at least try it and start getting some kind of baselines of what they're doing. Yeah, I think, and it is, it's also like, you know, you look at yourself, Colin, you're, you're pretty good. Like, I'm sure, I don't know if you've, have you had a DEXA recently? Uh, so we, uh, I've got the oh, in-body you've got the in-body. Right. Okay, so, so you're similar, doing something. Yeah, yeah. But you're, so you know, yeah. your, your motivation to lose body fat may not be as high as someone else because you're actually – you know, your motivation is more around just eating well. So this again is like, can you use the fill-in app to just say, okay, I need these types of carbohydrates and these amounts of proteins around my meals and training to allow me to achieve my goals. And so I think what we've built into the app now is like just simple hand referencing that you can use right. to track as well. So it's like, oh, okay, I had my, I had my breakfast did I get my hand of protein in? Did I get my two fists of veggies? You can track that way and it will subtract from the macros. So it's like a, a lighter tracking method. Right. And even if you didn't even want to track that, you could just literally tick off, I had the breakfast, you know, in your mind, okay, you had the breakfast that was requested of you. You had the lunch. That's the really lowest end of the tracking. Right. And again, if the coach can see that, so what, what we're opening up is the ability for the coaches of the athletes to have visibility over their athletes and see, did you actually eat that? And again, it's, it might be a little bit big brother, but it, it creates accountability. And I think that's going to be invaluable for coaches, well, triathlete I mean, coaches to, right? to be yeah. able to talk to their athletes and just go, hey, are you actually eating that stuff or are you not eating it? Because like, I want to know. And then... It's I mean, even, even take it into just an individual session that's like a long session. And it's like, oh, I went to shit. And it's like, all right, what did you have? And it's like, 
oh, I was trying this low fat, you know, or, you know, like <laughs> yeah. uh, minimizing my fluid intake, you know, thing or something like that. Oh, really? You know, and you, you bonk, you know, no kidding. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I think in that respect, like if, if we go back to, you know, full circle, like working in professional sport, the reason professional athletes do really well is because they've got a team around them. You know, they've got their coach, they've got nutritionist, dietitians, they've got a strength and conditioning coach, they've got a, a physical therapist, a massage therapist. Like it's that team that makes the athlete. And so in this respect, what we're trying to do is, again, if we can increase that communication, you know, for those athletes where the coach can actually see what the athletes are eating, and not necessarily to change things or do anything, but can at least have observe. visibility yeah. over it, yeah. observe, comment, and keep accountability from them as well as the nutritionist, as well as the athlete, then you start to see, you know, some real results. And it's not to like, you know, shame them or anything like that. It's just, hey, you guys, are you doing this? And they're like, no, not really. And it's like, that's cool. Well, like, I mean, don't expect if I, if- if I'm going to be selfish and look at it from a coach perspective, and I'm trying to do everything I can to make you the best athlete I can make you right. And you're totally butchering, you know, a huge element of it. You know, if we can help in that, then that's, you know, no brainer to me. Um, so absolutely. And it's, you know, everyone's, everyone's got life. I mean, as I highlighted in, you know, the start of this episode, everyone has life stresses, don't they? And shit oh, happens. Sure. And it's like, so you, you know, and that's the human element. It's talking about it. It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm having, sure you having, say, you know, nutrition's never going to be perfect, right? You know, we got to, you know, we're, we're not going to be perfect with it, but yeah. I, I, I mean, it's funny. People always ask me what I eat. Yeah, I eat really well, like majority of the time. I cook a lot. Like I love cooking, um, but I still eat pizza. I still yeah. eat burgers. I eat fish and chips. Like, yeah, but it's all relative to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I monitor stuff. Yeah, I get I get my bloods done twice a year, every six months. I'll get a dex. I'm due for a dexa in this month. Like, yeah. I've done that for the last you know eight years. Yeah, so well, I can track that over time, and, and that's, that's super yeah. fascinating to watch as you get older. Like, I'm 43 now. Like, how do I compare to when I was 35 to now? I'm actually in better shape. That's yeah. the cool thing when right. you can actually reduce body fat, increase lean mass have a better VO2, have reduced cholesterol profile, better fasting blood glucose, better HbA1c. Like like you can change things. Getting older doesn't mean you have to go down the, you know, the toilet. You can can make significant improvements even with, you know, the aging process. It's just being, being, and I don't think you have to be meticulous. I think you just need to be focused. Like what are you doing? Why are you doing it? The, the big why are you doing it, I think, is is a question I ask. Like, yeah, people will be, as you said, like they might be on the, the high-fat, low-carb diet, and I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? And they're like, uh, and they can't give me an answer. They're like, because they heard some fit chick on, you know, Instagram say that, you know, high-fat, low-carb was going to make them ripped. And you're like, no. Like, so are you just not help. a fan of any kind of diet whatsoever? Like, I mean, vegetarian, pescatarian. I mean, you hear all these different kinds of things. Well, that that's a food preference. That's a food preference. So I work with a lot of vegan athletes and, and vegetarian athletes. Like, it's completely cool. Like, if you look through the stats on, uh, you know, uh, nutrition research, certainly high intake of vegetables and fruits 
as a predominant dietary intake is going to be the best thing for you. Now, again, go back to the high-fat, low-carb diet. Like, when does keto work? What's it proven in? It's proven in epileptics. Like, are you an epileptic athlete? I'd probably say no for majority, but, like, they don't read that. It's the same with fasting. It's like, are you a middle-aged, obese, sedentary individual? No. Well, maybe I'm overweight. Maybe I am middle-aged. Am I sedentary? No. Am I trying to do something that only 1% of the world does in Ironman? Yeah. Oh, so does all that fasting research really apply to you where they don't do any exercise in the morning, but you're trying to do a three-hour bike ride at, you know, 65% of your VO2 max? I don't know how well fasting is going to suit you. But, hey, what am I to say? I'm not the one who would understand that. But, you know, like it's got to be context-specific. So back to your question earlier about diet, I don't subscribe to diet. So the cabbage diet, no. Well, okay, actually, let's frame it the other way. The best diet is the diet that works for you, that is sustainable. And the best diet that works in terms of reducing body weight or body composition is the one that puts you in a caloric deficit that you can stick to. So if you want to be on a cabbage soup diet and that puts you in a caloric deficit and you can stick to that, that's the best diet for you. It's probably not going to be the best in terms of performance or health in the long term, but hey, short term, (laughs) sustainability comes in it. Keto, if you can honestly consume that amount of fat for long periods of times and socially cope with all the difficulties and being keto, go for it. But try and try and eat out at a restaurant and go out with your mates and, and be keto. Like it just doesn't happen. So I don't know. I think you got to be a certain type of person and hang out with certain type of people to stick to keto and your breath stinks. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be that. And if you, if you're trying to be, I think you can do a period of low carb, high fat, doesn't necessarily have to be keto. Potentially you could do it if you really had, you know, your respiratory quotient and your efficiency and fat utilization sucked and you wanted to try and improve metabolic flexibility. There could be potential to do high fat, low carb, but more often than not, I think, again, come back to the vegetable thing. It's like you don't have to do high fat, low carb let's just knock out all the shit processed carbohydrates you consume on a daily basis. Okay. Now you're not consuming all those crappy carbs. You're increasing your fiber intake. You're increasing some carbs from natural food sources. You probably, you know, your fat hopefully will reduce in terms of saturated fat, but maybe eat better quality fats in omega threes and, you know, some saturated fat from animals. If you're going to be eating that, and then you'll see significant changes in metabolism anyway. Um, I just I just think everyone tries to like do all these crazy diets and you don't have to. And yeah, you know, what wow. are what are our what are our principles? Okay, so let's talk about principles that fill in. It's like you're an athlete, eat protein. Like you're an endurance athlete, eat protein. Don't be worried about becoming a gym monkey because you're eating protein. You are not going to put on a heap of lean mass because the stimulus of exercise does not support hypertrophy. If anything, all we're trying to do is retain lean mass. 
that's probably it. Not go down the deficit and end up in a catabolic state. So eat a lot of protein. And I don't know if that was different for you, Colin. Like, were you surprised at how much protein we were getting you to eat? Um, I think it was definitely an increase for me for sure. Um, but not, not crazy. I've always, um, kind of came on board with that, I guess, if you will. So, uh, for me, that wasn't super crazy. Yeah. Cause some people, but, yeah. I mean, some people, um, just like, you know, find they're like, Whoa, I'm eating a, like, you know, for a 130 pound female athlete, she's like, you want me to eat 130 grams of protein? You know, and she's like, that's crazy. Like I had someone write to me the other day going, I've checked with my friend who's a nutrition expert that they think the protein you're giving me is too high. Anyway, I wrote back a very lovely email to them with a lot of supporting evidence written by from meta-analysis and systematic reviews about protein requirements for athletes. I didn't really hear back. Uh, now, no kidding, huh? their, their nutrition expert is probably basing it off what the RDA is for the protein requirement, food, right? like, yeah. you know, 0.8 grams per kilo body weight. Um, that's not going to be useful for an athlete. So we certainly subscribe to a higher amount of protein. But generally speaking, look, if you're trying to lose weight, keep it moderate. Like, fats are good hormonal profile, whatnot, very important, but you don't have to eat the whole tub of almond butter. You know, like nut butters, I think, are the bane of society at the moment. I think everyone thinks they can just smash almond butter until the day the cows come home. But like, it just, it's not. Like, it's still calories, guys. Like, let's and be honest. Of them, right? Lots yeah. of it. And yeah. then avocados. Everyone thinks yeah. they can eat an avocado a day and get away with it. I'm like, that's a lot of calories. Like, quarter of an avocado, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> um, so, you know, that and then carbohydrates, like heaps of vegetables. Like that is a big principle of ours, like smash your veggies. You would be amazed at the caloric density of vegetables is very low. So you can eat a ton of them. So you can feel really, really full and enjoy food again without like, you know, you talk about your bar. What, you know, I love picky bars, for instance. I recommend picky Pick bars for people to ride on. Yeah. 200 calories in a thing this big you know like you're not going to feel full from that 200 calories but if you eat 200 calories of vegetables my god you've you've eaten a big plate of like broccoli carrots snow peas broccolini kale i don't eat kale it tastes terrible it used to be a weed until it got popular by jamie oliver um yeah like it's amazing isn't it how a chef can make some food popular like, yeah, 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 kale used to be like literally fed to cattle and even cattle yeah. don't like it that much. Um, and pigs, but now it's a, now it's an expensive uh, vegetable, but yeah, yeah you like can eat. Yeah. And, then, and then use carbs. Like there's nothing, I, I, again, I wrote about this the other day. It was like good and good and bad foods. Like what a terrible way to define food. There's no such thing as a good or a bad food. It should be context specific because if you look at something like an energy gel, is an energy gel a good food or a bad food? Well, it's bad if you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> it's bloody good right. if you're doing Kona. Exactly. Like, yeah. And it's so, all relative. You yeah. Know, white rice, white bread, is it good for your underlying health? Probably not. But in the context of what you're trying to achieve in performance, if you're going to go out and do a lot of high 
long duration exercise where you're going to utilize that fuel source, I don't see too many right. problems with it. Right. So, so the last step, it's it, you know it's fascinating, isn't it? Like nutrition's fascinating oh, because it's so divisive. It's so divisive well, in society, and like and there's so much complexity to it. I think that if you want it to be right, but like you said earlier, you know, if you dumb it down a bit, which you can, you know, uh, no doubt. Uh, last question for me, I want to hear, I don't know, um, how much you follow like, um, Christian Blumenfeld and, uh, Gustav Eden, right. And the Norwegian hype train, but, uh, <laughs> they were just recently on, um, on the rich roll podcast. And, um, I think I know, got sent it. I got sent it about yeah. 20 times. <laughs> did yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So, you know, I'm going with that. So like Gustav is basically saying, you know, during racing, like he says, he's trying to put in as much as possible. So, like, I'm just curious kind of what your your thoughts are on, on that. Completely agree. Like, yeah. and I uh, had a chat to Olaf, their uh, exercise physiologist oh, yeah. cool. in Kona, about this. And, you know, we, we had um, some interesting chats about this. But, like, and back to the conversation about Sarah. Like, yeah. Sarah's consuming 100, you know, and that was in 2019. Like, I remember Matt Dixon, and he, he he's very good with this. He's like, he thought I was mad yeah. when I was telling her to eat, like, 100 grams of carbs an hour. He was like, this is so wrong. And then he started seeing the results, and then the research started trickling out, and yeah. it was like, okay, maybe this supports it. And it's like now yeah. everyone's like, ooh, high carb maybe is the future. And it's like, yeah. well, it never really went away for the people right. that understood physiology. I think, like – and again, I'm not a dietitian, but I understand like, you know, exercise physiology and that. I think anyone who's, again, slightly educated understands that carbohydrates are the primary fuel source when you want to go fast. So, you know, you listen to those Norwegians talk. I mean, but I come back to like dedication to their craft. I mean, you listen to that podcast, what? They, they train, they force feed themselves in a trough and then they lie on their beds and sleep. Like yeah, that's right. their day. Yeah. Like there's not many athletes out there in the world that will just be prepared to do that. So I guess, again, coming back to don't, I don't think everyone should listen to that podcast and go, oh, my God, I need to just eat, eat, eat. And I'm going to Christian Blumenfeld, like, right. you know, and Gustav, because those guys, I mean, they were saying they, they wanted to get there. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. You, you listen to their exercise, LF talk, LF do talk. They tried, they did a four week training camp to get their VO2 into the 90s. Yep. And they did. They got it to 95 or something. I don't know. What's your VO2? Uh, 63, I think. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like mine's like 56. And yeah. it's like, and, and then he also talks about the capacity to maintain that. Like it's all well. Well, and then they, they want to bring it down, right? And then they brought his down because he performed better. But it's all about the ability to do it at sustained efforts. Mm -hmm. Like it's all well and good to have a high lung capacity, but if you can't sustain the effort, then it's useless in a sport like triathlon or Ironman. So, Especially Ironman, right, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So I I love what they are doing, that Norwegian, what are yeah. you doing? The hype train. The hype like, train, I love yeah. that they're bringing back calories are good. Yeah. Like I think that's a great message if you want to go fast and you want to lay it down on the course, you're going to need calories. Hey, I'm all for that. And carbohydrates are king. Again, where are they pushing? 
they, they're getting, apparently they're consuming 160, 180 grams. I don't know if, I mean, if you look at the research, that doesn't quite fit because the utilisation of those grams of carbohydrates per minute just doesn't seem to equate. Like you can't mm. actually, there seems to be a ceiling. So, um, but I think they're trying to find ways of improving the absorption and utilisation because right. they were saying from a mitochondrial aspect, the mitochondria, if it was directly infused with carbohydrates, could cope with much higher grams per minute, which is, right. is really super interesting. So, you know, could it cope with three grams or up to, you know, three and a half grams per minute as opposed to, say, 1.6? So, um, so that now leads me to another question real quick is, uh, like, so Morton, do you feel like they, are they just really good at marketing or do they have something they're on to? I, I guess, I assume yeah, that's one of the products we, that you guys have in there, right? So like you're familiar yeah. with it, obviously yeah. it's on Ironman. Um, you know, where they say it can be absorbed, right? You know, they have, uh, uh, a good sales pitch anyways of how it's more effective, um, and easier and more, uh, what's the, Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? The way it, it re releases, right, is is their absorption uh, rate. To be, right, right, yeah. So they the the alginate or the hydrogel is proposed that it improves gastric emptying and then improves absorption. So, I mean, yeah, anecdotally, you hear a lot of athletes saying that. Again, you don't know who's getting paid to say it and what right. they're actually doing. Right. That's part of the the transparency. It would be good. There was the study by James Morton's group um, at John Moore. Now, James is, you know, he's associated with SIS, but they compared SIS to um, Morton and there was no difference in the oxidation rates. Oh, interesting. Um, okay, so, I haven't seen that. Okay. But then I, I have heard some other studies where there is an improvement in oxidation rates with the hydrogel. So I think at the moment, like, what is very clear, well, I wouldn't say it's very clear, but... Morton seems to be fairly well tolerated by athletes. And I think that's a big part of it. Like if you can take in higher amounts of carbohydrate and tolerate that, then is it just people are taking in more of the carbohydrate and tolerating it as opposed to this magical sort of, um, you know, hydrogel yeah. formulation. The they have, right. Although saying that I, I did hear that they're trying to work on shorter chain carbohydrates that could improve absorption through the lumen and and so oh, okay. if, yeah. if that improves oxidation rates then that could be the next step i mean you've only got to look at again so i know we're getting into the weeds here but look at um the ratio so you have multiple transportable carbs yeah so you've got glucose fructose that's what it right. sounds tricky everyone talks about multiple transportable carbs and it's like what is that and it's like well, it's glucose and fructose. So they rely on different transporters to cross the intestinal um, you know, barrier. So you previously had just glucose being used and everyone thought 60 grams an hour was sort of the, the peak amount that the body could cope with. They then started blending glucose with fructose and that started increasing the, the oxidation rate, 90 grams, 120 grams an hour, so on. Now, that was traditionally done at a two-to-one ratio, two to um, two of glucose to one fructose. What they're now doing, and this is again based on some research, it's not equivocal research, is a ratio one to 0.8 is appearing to be better in terms of the oxidation of the carbohydrate. So now you've got products being released with this one to 0.8 grams of glucose fructose. Now, 
what is that the same as? That's table sugar, pretty much. Table sugar is sucrose, which is glucose and fructose at a one-to-one ratio, maple syrup. Right. That's what Lionel's using, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it didn't go well for him, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <Paul>, but, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, yeah, like maple, I'm a big fan of maple syrup. I think it's like the endurance tap's fantastic. Uh, it tastes yeah. good. I, I, I got introduced to it at the Leafs, of course, full yeah. circle, back to maple yeah. syrup with the Canadians. Yeah. And, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, can maple syrup work really well? Yeah. Is it too much to continually have in an Ironman? Yeah, right. I think so. It gets too yeah. sweet. It right. gets right. just too much. So you want to mix that with, um, yeah, something like Morton. I think Precision Hydration. I think their gel is really good. It's, I think any of the gels that are really neutral flavors, that's what you're going for. And the the really weird thing about that, like I worked in a supplements company, and yeah. you produce these products, and they're all like, ah, oh, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't have that really. And but you're like, you don't good. want a flavor, right? Yeah. Like you literally want it to be neutral so it just goes down. And that's yeah. where I think Morton's doing a really good job with it. I think that's where Precision has done a good job. I mean, I said to Andy Blow at Precision, I was like, yeah. is it banana flavored? And he's like, we've never had that comment before. And I was like, it's not a banana, isn't it? And he's like, no. It's like, it's meant to be tropical or something. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. No, they, so, I, I do like those. I, I mean, they have, I, I find their newsletter to be extremely informative too. I don't know if you get that and things yeah. I love. That's probably my most recommended newsletter and the info they share is fantastic. And I like how they give the ability to kind of spell things out a bit, you know, um, they do a good job. Yeah, I think uh, I really like Andy and I get along well with him, done several Q&As with him, um, talk very honestly about my concerns about sodium consumption mm. uh, amongst Ironman athletes. I think it's too high, but, you know, that, that's just my view on it. And, um, a few others as well, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think their products are really good. I think they're free calculators for, like, trying to guesstimate, right. you know, um, grams per hour and stuff it's a really good introduction like it's a nice place to start we obviously do a lot of that but a lot more in detail based on the specific sessions you're doing within the fueling app so you can work out you know exactly what products grams per hour sweat rate you know what what are you losing what's your intake rate what's your percentage of body weight loss like that's I, I view theirs as sort of like the intro version and then we're sort of like okay if you want to upgrade and go in do that. We recommend their products. Uh, you know, if those products work for you, use them. You know, you talk about Morton, you talk about Endurance Tap, Never Second, I think is a nice one at the moment. Um, SIS, I think, does a great job. Um, yeah, they're probably they're probably the, the, the fuel products that we recommend, you know, when it comes to it because they're just, they've got good ingredients, they taste pretty good, and they're pretty well tolerated. So that that's sort of our criteria for you know recommending a product as opposed to getting paid to say it's good and uh it's crap so right right yeah very cool but yeah and i mean to expand on that you know so uh, i mean there's opportunities often in you know what they're giving for recommendations to do these you know sweat and uh, just these different tests here that really are pretty darn quick to do you know quick way in before log what you consume during the effort you know way out and boom they're off to the races with what they need so 
Uh, it's pretty simple to do, and I do think brings a lot of value. And I mean, even just looking at the scale after and seeing what you lost, uh, you know, most likely lost, you know, can be like, holy shit, you know, and uh, can can really be eye opening. So, well, that, that's uh, the interesting thing, isn't it? Like a lot of people are like, oh, how do I do one of these sweat rate tests? I'm like, weigh yourself before the session, weigh yourself after the session record what you consumed and whether you peed and then right, we'll give right, you the yeah. percentage body weight loss. And they're like, is that it? And they're like, I thought I had to go somewhere. No, right. the sweat sodium testing is what precision do on leveling. Right. Different kettle of fish, but dial in what your sweat rate is first. Like have an understanding of your sweat rate. Because again, so many athletes, I go back, like they're spending all this money on all the equipment but the fundamentals, they don't have an understanding. Like how many carbs per hour can you cope with? Which products can you consume at a high rate without feeling sick? Can you do that on the bike? How does it feel when you run off the bike? Do you practice that? No, I don't ever practice that. You probably should practice that because when do you get GI complaints? I always get it when I run off the bike. Ah, okay. So do you think the products that you consumed on the bike might be impacting yeah, your run off the bike? Uh, I've never thought about that. Okay, well, let's start to think about that. How much fluids did you consume on the bike? I don't know. Well, why don't you know? Well, I haven't really thought about it, but do you understand how much fluid you need at that temperature versus that temperature? No. Okay, well, then how do you know how much you need in order to perform at your best? Oh, I don't. But that's a conversation I've had with professional triathletes. Yeah. That's not just yeah. age groupers. Yeah. And it's like, wow, like how do you do a race? And they're like, I don't know. I just do it. It's yeah. like, how much better could you be? That That's I mean, always my question is like, how much better? And yeah, like uh, I, I I started working with Holly, uh, Holly Lawrence, like a few months ago. And she, she was great. Um, you know, and she had, I mean, she came sixth in the world, like 70.3, but she was bitterly disappointed because she nearly froze on the bike. Um, you know, but like, it was really interesting without going into any detail, but her saying to me, she's like, I think I might've been under fueling my entire career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's from, I believe and it. she's yeah. a, she's an awesome athlete and an awesome person right. to work with. But she like yeah. said that to me the other day and I was like, Jesus, like, you know, Imagine and, what and she, happen, right? she has yeah. documented that in her Instagram about, um, what happened, I think a few years ago where she, she realized she was under fueling and whatnot. And, but to hear her say that to me the other day, I was like, wow, like that's crazy. And then, and she's pretty good with everything. Yeah. Like, you know, that was her thought process is like, wow, have I just done myself a disservice for the last few years? So, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it is, it, it, it certainly swings both ways. You know, people are either over-fueling or under-fueling. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, you know, and it, it's, yeah. it's difficult for people to understand that without getting into the complexities of it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, so we're recording this at the beginning of November here. So um, I don't know. We didn't talk about this before, but uh, Little Birdie told me you guys do have a uh a promo coming pretty quick for uh black friday and things like that right yeah we do when when is this being released 
Ah, uh, we'll have to figure that out. We never know either. So this week sometime, on Elliot. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll get it out. This but week. no, but so we'll we'll uh, so people that are interested, you know, keep an eye out, uh, I guess, and uh, I would connect and you know get on their newsletter uh, sooner than later because they could have a really good deal coming here. So I'll just leave it at that here if that's cool. Yeah, so. <laughs> we we've got a we've, we're going to do a Black Friday, so we've never done one. Um, we thought we might jump on the bandwagon and follow the crowd, but. Um, we will do something. We will send uh, the details to Colin, um, and he he can share it with um, his his newsletter and whatnot. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty exciting special, and you know I think we we realise like you know cost is something that you know is um, sometimes prohibitive to people, and you know we want to try and make nutrition as accessible as possible. I think in the same breath, I don't want to undervalue what we do. And I think that's right. a slippery slope as well, the race Absolutely. to the bottom. I think people need to still pay and value what they're getting. Um, and, again, if you flip it and you go, well, how much did you spend on your – I mean, those Trimax tri-suits, did you see those at Kona? They're $1,000 for a tri-suit. Really? No, actually, I didn't see those. Seriously. The one that Christian Blue – I'll have one race. tomorrow. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will. But, like <laughs> – but like, you know, a tri suit costs a thousand dollars, but people will complain about like you know a few hundred dollars to sort out, right. you know, their health. Right. Yeah. I think put, putting priorities in place is really important, and and thinking about what your big overarching priorities are. And yeah. for me personally, I think health, and you know, I, I think health should be at everyone's, you know, the forefront of everyone's mind at the moment. I think the pandemic really highlighted a very, you know, sad state of affairs worldwide for. You know, when you look at the, you know, and I know people will question the data about deaths from COVID and stuff, but I, I think what was very clear is those people that had coexisting morbidities, right. yeah. um, you know, that and disease processes had a much higher risk of uh, dying from a disease. No doubt. Yeah. And so I, I think health should be first and foremost. And as we say at in like a healthy athlete's a high performing athlete. And, right. So, and, and so that, can non athletes use your app as well or yeah. use these programs? Um, so, what we're actually, it's interesting. So, what we've just done is um, we're doing a, a body composition program, which I know is like always a little bit interesting because we talk about LEA and, and reds and stuff. And then it's like, okay, we're going to try and get you really like, you know, fit and healthy and, and lean. Um, but that's, that's the bigger focus on gym training. So we're working with Craig McFarlane and a few other strength coaches where they're delivering programs um, through either training peaks or their own apps. And then that would sync with uh, fuel in. So they'd still get the dietary uh, prescription, but then could look at using a gym type program and just really dialing that in, which I think is exciting. I think it's it's always one of those ones with triathletes. I think what's really important is talking to the coach and saying, look, are you comfortable with this? Because obviously it's a different form of training, but if that's the priority of the athlete and that's their focus, they really want to dial in you know, their body comp, then maybe let's think about a slightly different training approach without killing their triathlon training and then obviously ramp it up as they get more into their pre-season and in-season. Um, and then for those non-athletes, yeah, I think it, it's possible to do sort of, you know, five or six hours training a week and significantly change uh, body composition just through gym and, and being dialed in in that sense. So, yeah, you can use it. Very cool. 
Oh, sorry, I've talked heaps. Uh, <laughs> ah, that's what we wanted. Absolutely, it's, it's uh, uh, that's, super uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I like your format. I think it's um, it's just nice to have a conversation. It's always funny going on podcasts and people are like really rigid with their questions and like you, you nearly like a, I don't know. It's too formulated, and I, I think this format is, is such a better way of just talking talking shop and and just having a chit chat so I, i've really enjoyed it hopefully i haven't bored your listeners and hopefully i doubt it a, i doubt it keep yeah I, I sure sure would think so we really appreciate you coming on here it's definitely been good work with you guys here and uh wish you guys success i think we're gonna if you're not familiar with people you're gonna hear a lot more from them soon here because i think they're gonna do some big things in the at least in the triathlon world here Thanks, Colin. Thanks, yeah. Elliot. Yeah. Really appreciate you having me. Thank you, Scott. All right. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next time here. Yeah.